there is a very strange phenomenon concerning conspiracy theories online and their political tendencies. Conspiracy theories, not so much as the content of them, but the sociological explanation for their existence, have always fascinated me. A group of people I would very much expect to typically develop some sort of left-wing understanding of the world and a meaningful critique of power. You know, those that think the government is corrupt, it's run by kleptocrats who cover up for their crimes and morally reprehensible acts through cover-ups and controlling the levers of power in society, have a far more common tendency than towards left-wing politics, which is towards anti-Semitism and right-wing authoritarianism. Thinking Donald Trump the police, and the U.S. military will fight the evil conspirators. The strangest context I found this in is the most absurd conspiracies, such as flat earth theory, the idea that the earth is flat, of course, that there is a global conspiracy to cover this fact up. I've struggled to meaningfully conceptualize why there is such a strong connection between something like flat earth theory and anti-Semitism. One of the most absurd examples of this, and one that's I think generally pretty emblematic of flat earthers and how anti-Semitism functions in their core metaphysical belief system is a flat earth rap song I found titled Once You Go Flat Rap, which um, I'll give you a short preview of just now. Hey, what's going on? What's some raps now? I'm flowing on with a song. Your mom, tell her Earth's flat and her ass is the bomb. Tell her I rack cells cracked by Ron. Tell her I'll be back with a smack for her son. Then tell her she's fat like a Renaissance cunt. Tell her she's whack like a 90s pun. Then start a whole clap when the rap's all done. Tell her all that, then tell her one more. Tell her that you were the son of a whore. When she asks Sue and kills you to snitch, tell her that her son is a son of a bitch. Anyway, it's me, Yoka Guy, weaponized version 2.3. Here to bring truth to the unwashed masses, force you to put on your they live glasses. But you see, was I right? Near's fucking flat, Holocaust denied. Hitler was cool and not a bad guy. Tell medic Jews of control of your mind. Mason's a tool. I mean, you know, it's it's incredibly absurd. And if if I didn't find it in the context which I did, I would believe that it's some sort of satirical song. But no, this this person is sincere. Um, the main way that I've come to conceptualize this connection, as displayed by the song, uh, between conspiracy theories and anti-Semitism. Uh, is simply that if you don't develop a meaningful connection between, you know, the powers that be, which are influencing your life and working to dominate you, keeping you from the truth about politics, etc., if you don't connect that to a meaningful left-wing critique of authority, power, and capitalism, you become potentially exposed to anti-Semites and their understanding of these powers that be, which is, of course, that it's the Jews that are running everything. Uh, this explanation, though, I think is relatively weak and doesn't quite get to the root cause of these connections. I think there's something meaningful with that analysis, but um, there's far uh, more accurate analysis that could be made. Um, also, Flat Earth, importantly, regardless, is a relatively old conspiracy theory. And I mean that insofar as most Flat Earthers have moved on from Flat Earth to something called QAnon. Uh, what I take from this is that Flat Earth simply functions as the sort of conscious uh, content of an underlying psychosocial phenomenon. The main way I conceptualize uh, QAnon isn't that it's a particular conspiracy theory, uh, but a pipeline more so for conspiracy-minded individuals towards a right-wing, Trump-supporting, police-supporting, fascistic militarism. And I'll be explaining this connection uh, in this episode primarily alongside 
Adorno and Horkheimer's writings and connections between astrology and, you know, New Age spiritualism and fascism. Uh, the first thing you need to know about QAnon, especially for the sake of this analysis, is that for the most part, it has nothing to do with the actual content of the semi-anonymous messages posted on 4chan, 8chan, and 8kun uh, by whoever Q actually is. Uh, these messages are all connected to a particular anonymous trip code, which is essentially just, you, it requires a password to enter it, that has likely changed hands over time. Uh, Q's particular trip code is now extremely likely in the hands of Akun's current owner, uh, but this is all sort of irrelevant. Uh, the first of these messages, I think, is a good example of what was to come in many Q drops. Um, the message being, uh, Mockingbird, HRC detained, not arrested, yet. Where is Hama? Following Hama. This has nothing to do with Russia, yet. Why does POTUS surround himself with generals? What is military intelligence? Why go around three-letter agencies? What Supreme Court case allows for the use of MI versus Congressional Assembled and Approved Agencies? Who has ultimate authority over branches of military without approval conditions unless 90 plus in wartime conditions? What is the military code? What is AW being held? Why? POTUS will not go on TV to address nation? POTUS must isolate himself to prevent negative optics. POTUS knew removing criminal rogue elements as a first step was essential to free and pass legislation. Who has access to everything classified? Do you believe HRC, Soros, Obama, etc. have more power than Trump? Fantasy. Whoever controls the office of the presidency controls this great land. Presidency spelled wrong. They never believed for a moment they, Democrats and Republicans, would lose control. This is not an RVD battle. Why did Soros donate all of his money recently? Why would he place all his funds in an RC? Mockingbird. 10, 30, 17. God bless fellow patriots. Now, Q-drops are essentially vague predictions surrounding the president and a shadow cabal of secret satanic worshipping pedophiles, which are in control of American intelligence agencies and other important global political institutions, such as like the American quote-unquote deep state, which is the three-letter agencies being referred to. They believe that Trump will eventually uh, destroy these uh, agencies and these pedophile cabal um, satanic uh, worshippers uh, in a wave of mass arrests and probably uh, killings referred to as the storm. Uh, I would describe the storm as a slightly more subtle version of the day of the rope within the Turner Diaries, at least as interpreted by the particularly right-wing, racist, fascist uh, QAnon supporters. Sort of similar to a lot of Armageddon and Doomsday cults as well, uh, where Q supporters believe that after these um, massive-scale purges, uh, like, you know, the arresting of Hillary Clinton, for instance, who is a, a very central figure in the shadow cabal for Q people, um, that after these purges, um, there will be a utopia without economic, social, political turmoil, um, with, you know, for instance, cures for every major illness and disease being revealed to the public because the cabal has access to these cures and is hiding them from everyone. Regardless, the most important part of this whole process and essentially where most of the actual content of QAnon as it manifests in the real material world, you know, primarily through inspired acts of violence, anti-mask, coronavirus denialism, um, kidnapping incidents, etc., uh, is the baking process. I won't go over this too much, but the, the baking process is what Q supporters refer to as the assembling of the Q drops, uh, or the crumbs, into dough or bread that is actually intelligible predictions related typically to Trump's movement in relation to the deep state and the shadow cabal. Uh, this creative process, if you can call it that, is where essentially all of the Q ethos is really made, 
Uh, QAnon is far less of a conspiracy theory, again, and more of a mode of understanding and reacting to information, um, specifically other conspiracy theories, and interpreting these vague Q drops into the QAnon sort of ethos or canon or understanding of the world. Different Q believers add different theories to the mix. You know, many believe RFK is secretly not dead and it will reappear. Who he is and uh, when he will do so is also widely variable. A recent post I saw on Twitter by a Q person said that he's actually going to be uh, Trump's running mate in the 2020 election, um, which will be announced sometime in October of 2020. In a certain sense, what the baking process allows for is uh, QAnoners to believe uh, that they are developing some sort of meaningful rational, deliberate understanding of uh, the complex social order they live in uh, with the logical conclusions of whatever conspiracy theories they add or whoever they believe that RFK is, etc., is sort of entirely irrelevant to the real sorcery at work. Uh, they have no meaningful, substantive connection to the real meaning-making process, which is, you know, through the Q-drops. It is a understanding of the world that is purely handed down to them by sources of authority. These sources of authority, marketing or, I mean, marketing is actually the, the best word to use, um, marketing themselves as sort of anti-authoritarian, anti-mainstream news um, uh, sources that are the real truth that only rational skeptics uh, could possibly get behind. A final introductory note before I move on to more conceptual theoretical stuff uh, is that QAnon, it's important to understand that QAnon is quite popular. Uh, not only among insane 80-year-old white Christian reactionary grandmas, which even, like, I remember believing was an insane development in, what, early 2019 in the first place, but that is, of course, the main sort of uh, QAnon demographic base. Um, QAnon is believed by young people and slash or uh, people of color as well. Uh, a lot of people really do not understand the wide range of social perspectives which have the capacity to believe this shit. Um, there's a burgeoning Pizzagate slash QAnon section of TikTok, for instance. Um, and this seems all very strange, especially because of how connected QAnon is to supporting the president, Donald Trump, supporting the military, and supporting um, uh, the police. Uh, but how this happens is people getting um, into it with surface-level, seemingly relatively innocent conspiracy theories that are connected to the Q ethos and slowly upping the ante as they learn more things or as they're introduced to more um, QAnon-esque conspiracies. The Wayfair case um, was the best example of this. It was There was so much work done in terms of recru recruiting people, particularly young people, um, to QAnon stuff um, with all of the viral, quote-unquote, activist um, uh, tweets about how Wayfair was supposedly selling uh, missing children um, to rich people um, through the guise of selling incredibly overpriced furniture with the names of missing children as the selling name. I mean, this is obviously absurd and bullshit and, you know, should be immediately understood as not the way that Epstein-esque pedophiles in important positions in um, in politics and in culture would actually do child trafficking. Uh, but nonetheless, um, that theory had the capacity to convince people of a wide breadth of social perspectives and getting them into shit like Pizzagate, etc. Child trafficking, quote-unquote, causes um, that are connected and driven by QAnoners are a great example of the way QAnon recruits people into their ranks. 
uh, save the children rallies um, organized by Q people um, and randoms who are sympathetic to child trafficking, which is obviously a real issue and something that, you know, everyone can get behind as a thing that's universally bad. Um, show up these you know randoms they're exposed to the sort of barrage of slightly more insane conspiracy theories um, which they have a chance to get hooked on uh, you know the next level after wayfair stuff is pizza gates let's say vaccine denialism there's a lot of covert denialism at the these um, save the children rallies um, or you know the belief that family court is kidnapping children and selling them into prostitution um, that's a pretty um, commonly held belief among a lot of QAnoners, specifically older men, you know, the sort of man going their own way um, type of dude. And these level of conspiracy theories um, get them hooked on p the potentially, you know, next level. The idea that Trump is fighting a global cabal of pedophiles working in the deep state or that the deep state lives um, forever through a, a drug called adrenochrome, which is a real drug that has nothing to do with the, the Q stuff, of course, um, which Q people believe is made through um, the extraction of the blood of terrified children. Um, you know, all of that, all that is really required to begin this journey into this insane cult-like web of conspiracy theories is what I can best describe as an irrational disposition, which is a, a good segue to move on to the more kind of theoretically um, dense elements of this, which is um, Adorno and Horkheimer, particularly their work within uh, Dialectic of Enlightenment, as well as the stars down to earth. Uh, I'll briefly go over some basic prerequisites to A&H's, Adorno and Horkheimer's understanding of irrationality, how it relates to culture, societies of domination, um, capitalism as well, and why they're so worried about irrationalism and how it so intimately connects to QAnon in our contemporary context. Um, irrationality, in the context that A&H use it, uh, is the distortion of rationality, more so. Uh, this is an important critique of the Enlightenment, developed by A&H in their book, Dialectic of Enlightenment. The central thesis of the book is that, quote, myth is already enlightenment, and enlightenment reverts to mythology. What this means is reason itself has, ironically, become irrational. Uh, this thesis emphasizes that many of the earlier traditions that were seen as outdated actively contributed to the rise of the Enlightenment, as opposed to simply functioning as an antithetical force that the Enlightenment wished to repulse. The Enlightenment bursts out of medieval mythology as a means to combat it and its conclusions. We can see this in early modern examples like Bacon, for instance, and his instrumentalized reason, and fundamentally collapses into mythologies once again. Uh, the primary example in HU's um, is Nazi Germany. Uh, in this sense, the main purpose of the book is how we can reconcile the creation of something such as a incredibly irrational, mythological, um, fascist state and fascist culture fascist society 200 years or so after the beginning of and the entrenchment of the enlightenment you know as rationality entrenched itself so thoroughly in society it seems paradoxical that an irrational mythology like nazism could once again so clearly control such a large portion of the european continent as it did in 1942 the central cause of irrationality is the failures of a technocratic over-rationalization that's, of course, caused by the Enlightenment. They conceptualize much of this around the connection between the pursuit of Enlightenment in culture and the pursuit of freedom in society, 
where these are intimately connected. A&H say that the abject failure in the enlightenment of the arts, sciences, religion, etc. leads us, or is interrelated to, the destruction of functioning legal, political, economic structures. Scientism, for instance, in a rational faith that science has the capacity to quantify and moderate any legitimate mode of information gathering, and you know, that feels like philosophy are outdated, um, etc., leads towards an absolute failure in terms of a meaningful cultural enlightenment. You can't have a healthy artistic scientific sphere with scientism being in place. Uh, in many cases, paradoxically, uh, scientific and technological advancements are misused to encourage a culture and society of irrationality. Uh, this irrationality causes a society which dominates. Uh, in, the, in a tripartite sense of a society that dominates nature, the nature of human beings, and or you know simply one which dominates other human beings. These are all very connected. Uh, where this irrationality specifically leads to domination is through an irrational fear of the unknown. So the quote, Enlightenment is mythical fear radicalized. So this overemphasis in the Enlightenment on an absolute rationality and such an extreme attempt at demythologization of, you know, pre-modern understanding, mythical, uh, medieval understandings of the world, uh, itself is the most radical mythical force towards the destruction of anything unknown. So during pre-scientific, uh, pre-enlightenment times, um, mythology would primarily develop as a mode of explaining unexplainable events. What the fuck is a tornado? Um, why did it rain? Why did why did we have an especially shitty um, agricultural crop season? Mythology developed to destroy these unknowns, um, but do so in an absolute capacity. Um, and what A&H is saying the Enlightenment did is, paradoxically, in attempting to destroy all of those mythologies, it creates its own incredibly radical mythological force, which is a mythological uh, belief in science and rationality. The anti-authoritarian capacities of reason become their own antithesis. The modern authoritarian regimes are built around, in many contexts, the ideas of rationality. Reason in the Enlightenment is used as a excuse or a way of understanding the world that justifies, let's say, massive unending economic growth for the sake of the destruction of nature and the domination of nature. So these are examples of the, the central theme in Dialectic of Enlightenment and a lot of A&H's work, which is that the Enlightenment has a lot to do with these pre-Enlightenment mythologies in a not necessarily antithetical way. There is a connection between the, the modes of knowledge which cannot be subsumed into the scientific method, for instance, and populations which do not, quote-unquote, belong within the social order, and the elimination of both of these things. I'll also very specifically talk about the chapter in Dialectic of Enlightenment um, about the culture industry, because it applies very explicitly to the stars down to earth and the stuff they say about astrology, as well as um, the connection to QAnon in our context. Popular culture for A&H um, is a product of capitalist mass production, of a sort of analogical character to standardized factory production, uh, one of the paradoxical developments 
um, as a result of the Enlightenment is how we can produce such an irrational mass culture, specifically out of technological ingenuities, which came from the Enlightenment. Um, so this is one of the main sort of paradoxes within the Enlightenment, if you can call it that. Uh, the easiest to understand and most explicit form of mass culture uh, is what uh, was produced uh, in Nazi Germany. Uh, so, quote, The National Socialists knew that broadcasting gave their cause stature as the printing press did the Reformation. The Fuhrer's metaphysical charisma, invented by the sociology of religion, turned out finally to be merely the omnipresence of his radio addresses, which demonically parodies that of a divine spirit. To posit the human word as absolute, the false commandment is the imminent tendency of radio. Recommendation becomes command, the promotion of identical commodities under different brand names, the scientifically endorsed praise of the laxative, in the slick voice of the announcer between the overtures of La Traviata and Rienzi, has become untenable if only for its silliness. So this is a very explicit connection between Adolf Hitler's mass addresses and their propaganda of the German Reich and the utilization of mass technology, which is, of course, a product of scientific ingenuity in the Enlightenment, directly to ads on the radio, ads for laxatives, which is the example given, which may be an absurd thing to think about. And it is sort of absurd in a certain sense. But uh, the point being that both of these things are a product of mass culture. The utilization of standardized production techniques to ensure the maximization of the exchange value of what is produced at the expense of any meaningful connection to a high art that has the capacity to develop towards the pursuit of an enlightenment and culture. This enlightenment and culture is a sort of rational anti-authoritarian force that would prevent um, national socialism from developing. Uh, these streamlined cultural productions, whether it is streamlined national socialist propaganda or streamlined ads for laxatives or um, a streamlined soap opera or sitcom that is a simple copy-pasting of every other sitcom, uh, etc., are developed and disseminated by institutions that exist around the levers of power and consumed by the masses passively. Uh, they serve the purpose of developing a psychological dependency and social conformism at the expense of any meaningful high art or culture. This isn't necessarily to say that any mass culture that produced is bad. The main point more so being, again, that it sort of prevents the development of higher culture and higher art. The negative effects of the Enlightenment and what they create are irrational movements and ideologies, uh, which are severed from individuals and society's rational pursuit of happiness. Uh, not so much as they break and destroy ego aims, this is NHU's a sort of Freudian understanding, but that these ego aims are distorted. Uh, the best example one can imagine is, of course, again, Nazi Germany's irrational, expansionist, destructive foreign policy. Um, you know, going to war with the world's biggest naval superpower without a powerful navy. Just a, an example of this. Um, you know, large-scale purges um, and genocides, such as, of course, the Holocaust, which move to destroy and corrupt the body politic through, you know, mass fucking murder, um, but are understood by the individuals participating in them as rational sort of ego aims that are being pursued. These irrational ideologies 
quote, function as though rationality of the self-maintaining body politic had grown malignant and therefore threatened to destroy the organism. This is a similar sense that Nietzsche imagined God to be dead, although not really. Um, not insofar as rationality is dead, according to A&H, um, but that the radical absolute use of rationality has made rationality for certain individuals in certain contexts intolerable. Uh, just as the sort of absolute universal application of Christian morality had led Nietzsche to believe um, that God in the Judeo-Christian sense was no longer believable. A.N.H. wished to develop some meaningful capacity to understand the development of a rationalism in culture before Nazism comes back. Um, quote, it should be possible to analyze the inner structures of such movements on a small test tube scale, as it were, and at a time where they do not yet manifest themselves so directly and threateningly that there is no time left for objective and detached research. Um, and what I would like to imagine as soon as we move on to the QAnon section of this podcast is that this is sort of a continuation of their analysis, just for a contemporary context. One of the ways uh, later on A&H analyze a set of irrational behaviors in culture is through American astrology columns in newspapers. Uh, this phenomenon being highly connected specifically to like new age stuff, mindfulness, you know, spiritual bullshit. Uh, just as we saw with QAnon, these different set of beliefs that may seem very disconnected and even metaphysically contradictory are extremely connected, specifically within the socio-politico-economic phenomena which drive them to manifest so commonly. Uh, this analysis of astrology, as it exists on left Twitter as an opinion which is, you know, tweeted and then quote tweeted and screenshot and discussed, etc., is probably not a very popular one. I think nor one that many would desire to approach with nuance, which is, I think, particularly fitting, given that Adorno believed that, you know, quote, intolerance of ambiguity is the mark of an authoritarian personality. Uh, so I would not insult these opinions and this theoretical framework by formalizing it into Twitter discourse. Um, but essentially, Adorno makes a connection between astrology and those who believe their fate is decided by the stars and the irrationalism at the core of authoritarian social political ideologies. Uh, these new age belief systems develop out of a docile and obedient relationship the individual takes on towards institutions which produce mass culture. They're not saying that anyone into astrology is fascist or is fine with fascism or is authoritarian, etc., but that these irrational behaviors are driven by the same things wrong with the Enlightenment which drive fascism and authoritarianism. In The Authoritarian Personality, um, written by Adorno and Horkheimer, as well as a few others, which I just won't get into, but is, of course, intimately connected with this, the essential thing they are trying to do is to conceptualize why so many people in Germany would go on to believe Nazi ideology, who were seemingly not right-wing beforehand. And what they produce is the idea of the authoritarian personality which is someone who is widely susceptible to mass culture and its dissemination. The only thing that's stopping them from supporting Nazism is the development of national socialism in a society and the taking power of the fascists. And of course, um, that these people must benefit from the social structure produced by national socialism to an extent. 
But NH's central analysis of astrology is that one can reduce it to the purely formal characteristic of being drawn from abstract authority. It's an irrational understanding of the nature of the world, uh, the nature of the human, and the nature of human-to-human relationships that cannot be reconciled with reality, and is very similar to the tripartite system of domination um, previously mentioned that it's produced as a result of the Enlightenment. As a result of occultism being a product of mass production, in this context, astrology believers having a commodified relationship to the medium where they get their knowledge of astrology through newspapers, through journals, etc. Um, this superstition is institutionalized on a scale not seen in pre-modern superstitions. So, so thinking of, you know, witchcraft or astrology in a pre-modern context, the social function of this is entirely alien and different to its role in mass culture and those who get their understandings of this you know mysticism through mass culture the the division of labor um in its production in the contemporary modern context is much grander than in pre-modern times those who believe it quote don't even see the sorcerers at work anymore nor are they allowed to listen to the abracadabra they simply get the dope unquote Superstition is no longer the product of a pre-modern society which is unable to find any meaningful capacity to understand phenomena. This makes superstition a purely irrational force, one that cannot be classified as being affected by the individual's own control and ability to reason. You know, pre-modern mysticism, as I think I mentioned before, has this rational element to it, insofar as the individual is close enough in proximity to the mode of production of information that they have some rational capacity to affect it. You see the crops dry up, and you develop some sort of uh, mystic account of why that is, some sort of order to the world, because the next best thing is to just not understand why that's happening. These modern superstitions are, quote, largely exempt from the individual's own critical control and offered authoritatively, unquote. The mode of dissemination of, for instance, fortune-telling in a modern context is actually quite similar to that of a totalitarian social movement. However ridiculous this may sound, it's important to emphasize an aforementioned point in Dialectics of Enlightenment about the connection between the cultural life of a society and its political institutions. The fortune-teller provides the existence of a rational, ordered system that can only be handed down by a source of authority. You cannot read your own fortune, it must be provided to you. The totalitarian social movement does something very similar. Politics is handed down to you by the Fuhrer, by the um, fascistic leader. And in a modern context, what something like fortune telling would do is get one used to having their fate handed down to them. Um, their understanding of the world handed down to them by someone who really understands how politics works who will take charge and cover it for you. You just have to put your absolute faith in their authority and their capacity to do politics. Uh, the primary cause of a belief in astrology is the incomprehensibility of the highly complex, ordered, and institutionalized societies which the individual lives within. The absurdities and antagonisms which the individual may face, many of which are a product of the social orders, domination of nature of humans may lead the individual to simply embrace the absurdities and imagine the stars define their fate because truly questioning why these absurdities exists requires painful deliberation in reality 
the social system itself is the fate of the individual. There is more dignity, of course, in projecting these systems of domination into the stars. Quote, At the same time, the idea that the stars, if one only reads them correctly, offer some advice mitigates the very same fear of the inexorabilities of social processes the stargazer himself creates. The rational side of this worldview is that one must achieve control of their life and align it with the advice given by astrology if they are to be rewarded. There is this sort of inexorability within the metaphysical system constructed by the stargazer. And this inexorability is a reflection of the dialectical relationship between reason and irrationality in modern society. This sort of irrationality that is projected as itself rational. The destruction and attacking of the body politic by fascist authoritarian movements that is projected and understood by the believers of this ideology as itself rational. To be rational in this system means not questioning irrational conditions, but making the best of them from the viewpoint of one's private interests. This is where we can very clearly see a connection between how they analyze New Age astrology and QAnon. What QAnon functions as is a recruitment tool and acceleration into not simply an irrational worldview handed down by an authority, but an allegiance to fully fascistic and authoritarian political tendencies. Like New Age astrology, QAnon is built on a fundamental, irrational understanding of the world. In fact, it so perfectly aligns with A&H's analysis of the social function of mass culture, it's hard to imagine that this pipeline towards right-wing authoritarianism in QAnon is an accident. QAnon and QDrops work in a very similar way to fortune-telling as a phenomenon. If fortune-tellers intentionally pointed you towards supporting right-wing nationalists, of course. The source of authority, the QDrops, function as an quote-unquote interpretable prediction about world historical events from an enlightened and authoritative source, which provides the individual not with a rational explanation for how this prediction may come true, but how this authoritative truth-teller is connected to a rational, ordered system beyond the individual's capacity to understand. Uh, QAnon supporters have a motto they like to repeat if anyone suggests any doubt about the validity of many of Q's predictions, especially those in earlier Q-drops, which provided much more definite uh, you know, dates in which um, arrests of the members of the Shadow Cabal were to be made, you know, Hillary Clinton, Chrissy Teigen, among many others, that obviously passed by without any clear arrests. Um, Q has, of course, stopped making these definitive claims, especially since its popularity has gone up. Regardless, because, you know, QAnon has no meaningful actual connection with how the world works, there is a lot of doubt that is generated even among QAnon supporters. Uh, especially now we can think of the idea that it's taken Trump four years to arrest the shadow cabal and bring in the utopia. Like, what happens when Trump is voted out of office by Biden, which is probably what's going to happen in the next election? Um, what will QAnon believers do? Um, a lot of them, of course, as a result of this irrational belief, um, question QAnon's validity. The motto that QAnoners use to respond to this is, trust the plan. So the idea that um, Q and others, like Trump, are working behind the scenes within the shadows towards the goal of arresting the shadow cabal. And the purpose of Q supporters is to support them, 
specifically support Trump while they're doing it. Uh, the fundamental social cause of Q beliefs is similar to A&H's account of astrology. Uh, the QAnon ethos is fundamentally driven by the individual's inability to make sense of the world which they live in. The highly ordered and complex social political institutions that work in their lives, which dominate them and truly determine the ways in which their political world is structured, are replaced by straightforward battles between good, Trump, Q, police, military, and evil, deep state, shadow cabal, satanic pedophiles, and, for some, the particularly more extreme, more right-wing QAnoners, the Jews. Uh, it's not a surprise that the QAnon belief system and its more radical believers are explicitly anti-Semitic. As I highlighted before, there is an explicit connection here between this mode of understanding, which relates to conspiracy theorists, and anti-Semitism. There is far more dignity if the levers of power which function far beyond the individual's grasp or capacity to affect in any way are actually being controlled in some way by the forces for absolute good. QAnon in many contexts also carries with it uh, biblical imageries and references. Uh, Trump being chosen by God to destroy the satanic worshipping cabal. In many senses, you can imagine that a lot of QAnon belief, especially as it's believed by old conservative white boomers, is very, very much so like a syncretic Protestantism, sort of this third, or I guess, what is it, fourth Great Awakening, in a sense. There is a lot of biblical imageries and references, uh, you know, Trump being chosen by God to destroy the satanic worshipping cabal. Um, the storm also brings with it a very obvious allusion to Armageddon, um, where after this violent event transpires, paradise is given to the believers. Uh, would A&H write about this phenomenon, especially in contexts where pseudo-religious New Age agitators reference an Armageddon of sorts, which is similar to the storm within QAnon, is that, quote, it encourages the addressees' destructive urges and feeds on their discomfort in civilization, while at the same time stirring up a bellicose mood. Uh, QAnon is also contingent on the classical conspiracy theory rational-minded disposition. Uh, A&H referenced New Age movements as a modern, quote, big-time irrationality, which comes concomitant with a quote, substratum of disbelief and skepticism, which I think is perfect for the conspiracy theory ethos. Uh, a blatant rejection of rationality is seen as itself being rational. Where have we heard this before? Um, where the diehard believer in the modern New Age occult think of themselves as a rational skeptic. What A&H find with many astrological columns is that there is a, quote, veneer of common sense and realism to them describing much of this phenomenon as being a product of American cultural climate. Where German fascism may have not required it, uh, American fascism comes convincing the individual believer that they are a rational, skeptical thinker who is breaking the mold and questioning authority. Uh, as this analysis would absolutely suggest, there is a major problem with those who believe in New Age mysticism, mindfulness, and spiritualism um, towards QAnon. I would posit that the reason why specifically those who believe in astrology are probably less likely to be interested directly in QAnon, although in many cases, I would imagine uh, there is probably a vague attraction, probably relates to the social proximity of those who practice astrology, uh, as I've encountered it at least, um, being in the like literal antithetical social political circles of Trump supporters. Uh, that being said, I'm sure there are plenty of like white cis gay men 
who get into astrology that makes them turn to mindfulness that takes them to the New Age Instagram pages, where one of those pages mentions the Wayfair scandal, that connects them to a Save the Children QAnon rally, that gets them into Pizzagate stuff, and they're reading Q drops and then supporting Donald Trump. You know, this is a vague and random example, but just to show you a potential pipeline towards how an individual who practices the behaviors and beliefs of something like astrology described by an a described by A&H can become connected to right-wing authoritarianism. The fundamental bridge here is accepting an irrational understanding of the world purely from a source of authority. I would absolutely recommend that you listen to uh, the QAnon Anonymous podcast. If you want more general knowledge of shit pertaining to Q, um, they have like hundreds, I believe, of episodes. I've listened to quite a few of them. They're great. Um, but in particular, I want to credit them for their 94th episode titled The New Age to QAnon Pipeline for providing me with this example of Crystal Teeny and her timeline. Uh, this is in a New Age Instagram influencer. Um, I'll link the podcast episode uh, in the description. Crystal is a New Age influencer on Instagram uh, who got into New Age shit through traditional Chinese healing practices as a treatment for her depression. Uh, the leap towards QAnon from New Age stuff, you know, believing that seeded grapes could treat cancer, that depression could be treated through vitamins and dietary balances, etc., uh, for her was around the beginning of the pandemic, where she became an anti-masker and a COVID denialist. And um, I'll edit in uh, the audio from her first explicitly QAnon Instagram video for you to hear. Um, also finding this because it was shown on the QAnon Anonymous podcast. So thank you again for them for providing this source. And we're back. So um, first of all, I wanted to thank every person that shared my video, that commented on my video, whether it was negative or positive, um, for anybody on Facebook that has shared my video. Uh, I'm just kind of blown away that this has gone kind of viral. Uh, but I'm just glad that people are willing to listen um, because I've always been someone that thinks outside the box. And with this situation, as well as so many others, other false flag events, um, 9-11 is one that I've always said I, from day one, never believed the official story. And so with something like this, this is, this is history here that we are literally shutting down the entire world. And like I said, I don't believe the whole the official story that it's because of a virus. Now, people in my other video are commenting saying, you're downplaying this. I didn't, I never said anything about downplaying the virus whether it is in existence or not, I really don't know. And neither do you. Because you see people dying of some kind of pneumonia or something else does not mean necessarily that it is from a virus because there is a huge connection between 5G wireless and the coronavirus, believe it or not. You can find that information probably on Instagram. I don't know if you can Google it or DuckDuck, whatever that other search engine is, but a lot of the same symptoms in the coronavirus are symptoms of people that have been exposed to the 5G. Um, and that's another video that I'm definitely gonna talk about is the dangers of 5G and how pretty and colorful these um, phone companies make them look. 5G, get your internet faster. You know, get how much fucking faster do we need to go in this society? We have everything at our fingertips within five seconds, but we need something that's faster. It's all, it's all a bunch of nonsense and they want to keep us sick. If you're sick, you're going to the hospital. If you're going to the hospital, you're spending a lot of money. 
and it's all a business. So whether the coronavirus is what it is or it is what it isn't, I don't know, neither does anybody else. Take precautions. Do what you have to do to keep yourself safe. I am crazy about homeopathic remedies, keeping the immune system safe, um, building the immune system. I take the alkaline mineral blend by Yaya Holistic on a daily basis, filled with sea moss uh, that has 100, and, I'm sorry, has 92 minerals that are naturally occurring in the body. So that will give your immune system such a huge boost, but we should be doing this anyway and taking care of ourselves. If we don't wanna be immune, my phone keeps ringing and I'm just like losing my shit. If you don't wanna be sick, you have to take the precautions. But we should be doing this anyway, taking care of ourselves. We always wanna do things when it's too late. So my advice would be to eat a lot of organic fruits and vegetables, stock up on stuff like that. Your vitamins and minerals. Um, but aside from that, my message is to start researching. Now would be the time to start researching things. If you've never researched things and you just always took things for face value that you watch on TV, now would be the time that you should be asking questions. Because if you think that we're shutting down an entire world just because of a virus, I got some shit I can sell you. So that would be what I would encourage you to do is start researching things. And I've put things in my other video of things to research. Um, I could add more things in my comment section of pages to follow because so many people have been asking me questions and I'm going to try, I'm going to try to get back to everybody that's been asking me questions. Um, my inbox is just overflowing and I, I just can't believe it. I'm very grateful for people that, um, like to listen to me ramble on and talk about this. Um, so there's going to be a lot more information to come out and I will continue to do videos, but other people were asking me, what is Q Anonymous? Please look up Q Anonymous because all of his posts or their posts, we don't know who it is, have been posting for the last uh, two and a half, three years. And every single Q drop that they have posted has come to light. So it's important that you continue to listen to sources like that instead of the mainstream media who has been lying to you your entire life. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but your favorite newscaster has been lying to you your entire life and has been reading from a script that the same other anchors read from because that's what they're given because your little global elitists are giving information to their little global puppets and then they're dispersing it to all of us to believe. And I ain't buying it. So if you have any questions and stuff, feel free to message me. Um, I love talking to you guys. It's been fucking crazy. Um, I got my brother on the train, Ronnie Teeny. You can follow him. He just did a funny post. Um, so yeah, let's talk. Uh, quote, naive persons fail to look through the complexities of a highly organized and institutionalized society, but even the sophisticated ones cannot understand it in plain terms of consistency and reason, but are faced with antagonism and absurdities, the most blatant of which is the threat brought to mankind by the very same technology which was furthered in order to make life easier. Who wants to survive under present conditions is tempted to accept such absurdities rather than penetrate them by thinking, which means discomfort in many directions, unquote. What we see here from a psychological level is an acceptance of absurdities by Crystal. She finds herself in a world where political institutions begin to break down and are entirely unable to manage a virus while measly attempts at a lockdown to stop its spread, bring on even further economic anxieties and political, social, economic turmoil. You can see um, she has a post from 2014 um, talking about the murder of, I believe it's Eric Garner, and how incredibly unjust it is and how there needs to be, you know, large scale uh, police reform and that racism is bad. 
So it's, you know, to make the connection there, I mean, it's four years later, but regardless, towards QAnon represents that she has some meaningful understanding that there is something wrong. Um, you know, to make sense of this world that Crystal is living in is to come is to come to terms with these failures and their conclusions, where a survival mechanism is to turn one's head entirely away from the rational world of scientific reasoning, empirical observation, and material analysis, and some meaningful, rational anti-authoritarianism, and towards a world like what is on display within QAnon. This is a world with clear-cut, easily understandable moral binaries. No gray, simply black and white. A collection of absurd lies which calms your soul, handed directly to you through a source of authority which, through a veneer of rational skepticism, confirms your intelligence and free-thinking spirit. I'll play another clip from her Instagram, uh, which is a deeply disturbing video um, that shows the ways in which this individual doubles down on a lot of these ideas, even after very likely getting coronavirus. This is literally like the eighth time I tried to do this video, and I'm going to just lose my shit in a second. Um, so... I'm actually outside of my apartment building because of you, if you guys have seen my stories the last day, yeah, since yesterday, um, it's been a very unhealthy environment for me to be in. I'm wearing my um, Organite pendant that is good for the new technology and EMF um, frequency stuff. So the I've been here back here for about three weeks and I was gone for about six weeks. So in the process of this whole quarantine, we all know that the new technology has been rolled out everywhere. So the first week I was back, I was having trouble sleeping, which I just attributed to um, being jet lagged. I get jet lagged all the time, so I don't sleep well and all this stuff. So I'm like, okay, whatever, I'm jet lagged. And then I was starting to get headaches all the time. Okay, I'm maybe I'm dehydrated and I just need to drink more water. And then it turned into waking up every morning extremely nauseous. I'm like, I know my body, it's very reactive to anything, whether it's an illness or environmental allergens, anything like that, it's very reactive. So then it was, you know, feeling nauseous all the time. And then it turned into shortness of breath. And in the middle of the night, there was a couple of nights um, last week, I woke up and I would have this, these irregular heartbeats. I, ha I couldn't catch my breath and like this, it felt like, like this almost. It wasn't like tingling. It was just a, I don't know how to explain it. Weird, a weird sensation in my chest along with this burning feeling. So I'm like, what the hell is this? It was really weird and it actually freaked me out. I was a little bit worried, but I would just try to go back to sleep and I would go back to sleep. <clears throat> and I would just be like, like in the middle of the night, just not able to like catch my breath. And it's not anxiety. I've had anxiety my whole life. I know what that feels like. So then it was, tiredness. I'm like, I felt so lethargic, like overly lethargic, not like oh, we didn't sleep last night. So you're tired. It wasn't like that. It was just like a very heavy feeling of just like, I wouldn't be able to get enough sleep. And I was just constantly falling asleep, like in my room. So, um, with that being said, um, you know, there was all these other kind of symptoms that I was seeing happen. Um, and it's not normal for me. I know the way that my body operates. I'm super healthy. I take tons of herbs and all this stuff. So anything that is outside the norm, I automatically and immediately notice. So all these things together were really freaking me out. And then there was this like dry cough thing. 
We've heard a lot about this dry cough. Um, it's very strange because that's exactly what it is. Uh, and there's a wheezing feeling. Like I have a feeling of like wheeziness in my chest. And now I'm just like beginning to kind of lose my voice a little bit. But I don't feel ill as if I have some type of flu. I just have all these weird symptoms at different times. So I didn't stay, I haven't been in my apartment. I've been avoiding it because every time I go into my apartment, I notice that these symptoms get worse. And then when I leave for maybe an hour or two hours afterwards, they subside. They don't go away completely, but they definitely subside. Um, so last night I slept at my sister's place and it was the first night in a couple weeks that I actually slept the entire night through without waking up and without feeling like I couldn't breathe. So I go on the roof um, to go and shoot a yoga video two days ago. And there's this, as soon as you walk out the door to the left, which is always where I film stuff, there is this dish that's sitting on top of cinder blocks that was never there because I'm always up there. And before I left, I was up on the roof. So I know it wasn't there before I left to go back to Philly. Then when I came back, surely enough during this quarantine is when um, they rolled all this stuff out everywhere. How convenient. While we're all in our homes, not having a clue what's going on, you come out to this new technology and a lot of it's not noticeable. So a lot of people are asking me, what does it look like? Can you send pictures? You can literally duck, duck, go. And that's, I'm not going to say the other sent, highly censored search bar, go to duck, duck, go, and then look up um, the dangers of, you know what? And I don't want to say it because I don't want my video to get pulled. So, um, and you can find images of what these things look like because they all look different there. I mean, now that it's so common and there's so many companies that have jumped on the bandwagon there, they look there, there's a million different ways that they look. They come in all different shapes and sizes. So, um, I encourage you to do that and then look up the effects of this type of radiation, which I have every single, um, symptom. Of. I mean, you know, this video is fucking insane. Like you have coronavirus, you have it. That's what happened. You know, you, you got it probably because you were traveling and then you got back to your um, L home in LA and you started experiencing very clearly coronavirus symptoms, like related both to her breathing and her heart, you know, science and the scientific management of the pandemic is flat out rejected by absurd, disproven and irrational conspiracy theories like 5G causes coronavirus symptoms. When talking about 5G making people sick, uh, in the original video, Crystal says, quote, how much faster do we need to go in this society? Saying that what's the point of 5G if it makes people sick? It's as if she sort of understands at some level th the moral rot of rapid, unending scientific economic growth and its negative effects. You can feel the momentum of acceleration, even if you do not have the rational, theoretical capacities to articulate why you have picked up speed. It seems that at some level, Crystal understands that something is wrong. What she is unable to articulate is the specific nature of this moral rot. She talks a lot in some of her Instagram videos about her pain and unhappiness, her borderline personality disorder, her quote, adrenal fatigue syndrome, her struggles with having an eating disorder and body insecurities, and how the solution to these things and what makes her feel better is ingesting certain herbs and spices avoiding 5G wires, you know, eating grapes that have seeds in them. What is far easier than generating some actual understanding of the root cause of her pain, let's say an ecological, anti-capitalist, anti-authoritarianism, 
is to simply embrace the absurdities of COVID denialism, of QAnon, of New Age health practices, etc. From a psychological standpoint, these are very similar. Um, you know, looking at QAnon accounts, I can observe one primary thing which is seemingly uniform among all of them. There is a sense of peace in their acceptance of the plan. The simplification of complex social phenomena, political unrest, social upheaval into an easy to understand and interpret worldview handed to them by a trusted source is, as A&H put it, a reaction of one who wishes to survive under present conditions. Following this analysis, back to the dialectic of enlightenment, what we see in QAnon is the enlightenment folding itself back into mysticism. A society of domination, in the tripartite sense of domination of nature, of the nature of humans, and the domination of humans, um, providing its populace with a socio-political reality that is absurd and untenable. If work is not done to resist these forces of irrationality, which position the individual against their rational interests, their pursuit of happiness, and disconnect their political actions from the individual and collective ego aims of their society, then we have seen what happens before, and that is National Socialism.